Hello, and welcome in to another episode of the Fantasy Football Pod, coming at you with our week three Thursday night football preview. Got a little buy low, sell high, got a little beat the waiver wire. Cody still recording from the nice sunny Florida down there, so we appreciate him hopping on uh, during his vacation. How is it going down in Florida? It is. Uh, it's going good. I think you know, best part of it all is just not having to work for a week straight, basically for the first time since getting sure. out of college. So this has been the first week long <laughs> vacation I've taken, and it is uh, pretty freaking sweet to say the least. But. Um, yeah, if you, uh, if you were looking forward to our normal Tuesday episode, I apologize when I was uploading the audio, it just did not, uh, didn't save correctly. And then when I went to go upload it, it just did not really come across correctly. So I apologize about that. If you did miss it, we did post on social media, the Twitter and the Facebook, the list of guys we were looking at. So apologize about that. Hopefully we'll not have that issue again, but, uh, no, the vacation's going good. Nick, how is uh you holding down the state of Missouri for us while I'm gone? Yep. Uh, girlfriend's on a work trip right now, so I am all alone in the house with three pets. They are driving me up a wall, but uh, we are holding it down in Missouri. It's nice and rainy, so you are uh, not missing much uh, in Missouri at the moment, but Looking forward to week three of NFL football. I actually have quite a few news and notes uh, before we jump to our two segments and then the Thursday night football preview. So, Cody, you want to hop in? Let's do it. Two very big bits of news in the NFL news cycle, at least as far as fantasy is concerned. Uh, early in this week, Cam Akers getting traded to the Minnesota Vikings for a late round pick swap of 2026 picks. So for those of you out there that aren't great at math, that's not the next draft. That's not the draft after that. That is the draft after that. The Rams will move up one round from the seventh to the sixth. Uh, if, you, if you've ever seen somebody give away a player, that is basically what happened here. But uh, Cody, immediate reaction to Cam Makers to the Vikings. Yeah, immediate reaction was I can't believe the Rams just basically let him go for nothing. Um, just a really weird situation there. Like I said, I feel like there's going to have to be a tell-all about what happened between Cam Maker and the Rams one day because it's just so, so strange. Uh, for fantasy, it definitely makes me have a little bit more question marks about Alexander Madison just because I do think Cam Makers is the more talented player out of the two. But I am sure we will get into that when we get into those guys a little bit later. So don't want to spoil that too early. Yeah, don't want to spoil the buy low, sell high segment. Uh, we put up a graphic this morning on socials, uh, and I uh, I came up with Alex Madison, not to bury the lead too much, but he is one of my buy low candidates. I think I'm still going to be able to make an argument for him. Certainly dampened a little bit by this Cam Akers news. Uh, it's really hard to know what to expect at this point. I think Madison's going to have the job for at least this weekend and maybe one more week after that, and then uh, once Akers is fully worked in. Remember that Kevin O'Connell is uh, originally from the Rams staff. He was on uh, the team as the offensive coordinator when they drafted Cam Akers, so he is pretty familiar with him. I'm sure it won't take him too long to get integrated into the system, but uh, for now, Madison's still probably the lead guy. Really, really hard to say what's going to happen moving forward, though I think Akers will get a shot to at least take over some of the early down work. So there's not much we can uh, tell you right now without giving more information. 
Next bit of news, Cody. Uh, Kareem Hunt officially did sign with the Cleveland Browns. Uh, Kevin Stefanski came out today and said Jerome Ford will remain the lead back. I don't know how much that really changes my opinion on this situation. Uh, who do you prefer rest of season, Jerome Ford or Kareem Hunt? Yeah, we said this on what would have been our Tuesday podcast. I was really targeting Kareem Hunt on waiver wires just because I knew Jerome yep. Ford was going to be very pricey. And we had mentioned on that show that we were gonna I was gonna look at basically what the average percentage of fab was spent on Jerome Ford across the three leagues that he was available. And it was over sixty percent. So across the three leagues, mm-hmm. I mean people just spent crazy high on him. So if you're one of those people, you're just hoping that he rides it out and maintains the the lead role, but I wouldn't be surprised to see this close to 50-50. Uh, the Browns were not very eager to re-sign Kareem Hunt, so if you did spend up on Jerome Ford, that you at least have that confidence. But he's familiar in the system. He's proven to be good in the system. It really just makes no sense for them to turn their entire running game to a rookie because that is what their you know offense is basically based off of is running the football and play action. So I expect Kareem Hunt to get involved again, maybe not this week with his first week back, but same thing kind of with uh, – Cam Akers and the Vikings, the more he's there, I just see him getting more and more worked in. Wouldn't be surprised in a few weeks if both these guys are kind of risky plays because we just don't know who's going to get the touchdown. Yeah, they gave Hunt significant money for running back, at least. Uh, they were obviously a little bit desperate, so uh, not incredibly surprising to see, but $2.5 million base salary with incentives that could push the deal up to $4 million. Uh, that's not insignificant for a running back, especially a 28-year-old uh, on a one-year deal that is only going to play 15 games, maybe even 14 if he's not ready to go for this weekend. But um, yeah, I would see it same this, the same way. Jerome Ford is just a big unknown at this point. He had a good game against the Steelers after Chubb left, but I think uh, I don't take too much from what Stefanski says either. That's a lot of coach speak. He's been in the building. It would, you know, I don't think it would be a good look for the guys in the locker room to come out and say, oh, Hunt's going to step in off the street and be 50 50 splitting with Ford or being the lead guy. You know, I think it's just going to come down to who is better. Who's better when they get the touches in the game? I think, uh, you know, even if Hunt's lost a step, there's a chance he's the better back or at least, um, you know, makes it a 50 50 split at some point here. So Mm -hmm. both are definitely worth rostering. I am glad my $55 bid for Jerome Ford did not end up winning the one league. I did uh, have Jerome Ford available and fab was used. So uh, I think I would have probably pushed that down a little bit, but they should still both be useful. This is an offense that has obviously supported two backs in the past. Uh, We'll just have to see, we'll have to see how it shakes out for the time being Jerome Ford's the guy, but I would not be surprised to see Hunt eat into his share pretty uh, significantly as I also see Hunt getting the passing down work basically once he is fully back worked in with the team. I see him being the third down back as well as the two minute guy. So I think he's going to get a lot of valuable opportunity. Ford may still outpace him when it comes to just total opportunity, but I think Kareem's going to probably get some of the more valuable touches. And just to put a bow on that Acres and Madison discussion from uh, from earlier, the first point we covered there, I would not just don't drop Cam Akers. Obviously, not dropping Madison, but keep all these guys on your roster. See how it plays out. Uh, Ford, you can probably play this weekend. Madison, I would probably play this weekend. The other two guys, wait and yep. see. <clears throat> uh, but uh, definitely, just stash all of them, and we're just we're gonna have to see how it plays out because these uh, these situations have a lot of uh, you know, there's a lot of range of outcomes between all four of these guys right now. All right, I'm going to run through the list of injuries here. Uh, Cody, 
stop me if you uh, if I run into something that you actually want to expand on. But otherwise, we'll just uh, recap Sounds at good. the end. Justice Hill may miss week three with a toe injury. This one snuck under uh, the radar for me a little bit. I didn't see anything about it on Sunday, but looks like he is dealing with some turf toe. Uh, may miss may miss week three. Makes Gus Edwards probably a lot more interesting if that's the case. Derrick Henry, limited with a toe injury on Wednesday. Don't have much information on this one, but something to keep an eye on. I uh, don't know if it's turf toe or something else, but again, uh, something to watch. Monroe St. Brown, another guy that is suspected to have turf toe. The Lions have not come out and said that, but uh, basically the way he got hurt and the actions of the team uh, that you know came afterwards with they, they put a plate in his shoe and all this other stuff. Anyway, it looks and smells a lot like turf toe. Uh, I, I don't know if he's going to play this week, but if he does, he might be limited. Uh, obviously if he's out there, you got to play him, but just something to keep an eye on. He could miss a week, uh, with that. Austin Eckler still not practicing with that ankle injury. Uh, Brandon Staley was non-committal on him playing this weekend. So there's a chance he misses another week. Do not drop Josh Kelly. Hang on to him. Isaiah Pacheco, he missed practice with a hamstring injury. The quote from Andy Reid was really interesting to me. He said, it's not a tear. I feel like there is... A whole lot of room in between not a tear and healthy. So I, I I feel like that's not great that he characterized it as not a tear. But um, I, I didn't see there was he didn't leave the game or anything uh, in Jacksonville. So I, I can't imagine it's that serious, uh, but he, he may miss a week. I, I just I feel like that that verbiage kind of scares me a little bit just because if, if he had to come out and preface it as not a tear, you have to think. It is at least a strain at that yeah. point, but um, what did, what did yeah, you Yeah, I don't that? like it, um, obviously. I mean, I'm a little up and down on Pacheco. I think he's a pretty solid running back. I just, again, I don't think that he necessarily fits what the Chiefs like to do from the running back position. Uh, with this kind of weird verbiage, would you consider in a deeper league maybe trying to stash Clyde Edwards-Alaire? I was looking at him for a potential beat-the-wire pick. You know, Spoiler alert, he's not one of my options there, but – I think he may be someone who's interesting just because I don't see the Chiefs going to go pick someone else up. I feel like they'd probably just cycle through the guys they have. Right. So I don't know if he would be a great beat the wire pick because he would only be relevant while uh, Pacheco is missing games. Uh, and I, it sounds like it's only going to be a week if it's a week. But I think he'd be an interesting pickup for this week if you need somebody, especially if you are planning on starting Pacheco because they play the Bears at home. They are 12.5-point favorites. That Bears run defense is horrible. Uh, they should have a lot of garbage time to kill. I imagine some running back is going to be you know, scoring a lot of fantasy points. It would have been Pacheco, but I think uh, CEH would probably be the guy at this point to run the clock out for the Chiefs. So he could be actually a pretty solid start at Pacheco is not able to go, I'd go, you know, stash him, especially if you have Pacheco or if you just don't have a great running back situation, you've had some injuries. There are plenty Plenty. of those right now. So, uh, yeah, absolutely worth rostering. No doubt. Zay Jones, he missed Wednesday practice with a knee injury. We'll keep an eye on that one. Saquon Barkley ruled out of Thursday night football. The, Optimism around his ankle injury has gone up a little bit. The fact that he was even considered to be a possibility this late into the week for Thursday Night Football was definitely a surprise, so might not be the multi-week absence we expected. Uh, We'll just have to see, but he is definitely out for tomorrow. Kendry Miller, he is expected to play this Sunday against the Packers. Uh, Does not look good for Jamal Williams. His head coach came out and said it may take some time for him to get back, so... I would expect Kendry Miller to be the lead guy this weekend. He may split with Tony Jones, but uh, Miller was a third-round pick. That's pretty significant capital for running back. I imagine they will give him a shot 
to show what he has before Kamara comes back in week four. So go pick up Miller. He'd be, he'd be just he'd be in the uh, Clyde Edwards-Alaire conversation, probably above him because it looks more certain that he will be the lead guy for the Saints this weekend. Could be a nice one-week fill-in, and then maybe he'll carve carve himself out a role because he was again a, a pretty high draft capital running back. Brandon Ayuk expected to be a game time decision. I think I would avoid him, but we will get to that later on our Thursday night football preview. Christian Watson back at practice on Wednesday. That's very good news. I think his odds of playing this weekend are pretty good. The Packers were smart about this one. Uh, mild hamstring strains usually have a two week timeline. He heard it in the uh, Wednesday practice before the start of the season. And it has been exactly two weeks since then. So if he plays this Sunday, he'll have a two and a half week period to get healthy. Uh, I think that was a smart play by the Packers to get, to bring him along slowly. Aaron Jones still sidelined though. So, um, you know, I guess don't drop AJ Dillon. If you really need a running back play, he could have another week of volume. Jacoby Myers back at practice uh, Wednesday after missing last week with a concussion. Devontae Adams is good to go. I think we reported that he picked up a possible concussion in uh, Buffalo on Sunday, but he's fine. He cleared the protocol immediately, so no worries for uh, Adams. And Myers looks like he may get back this week. Richardson and Waddle, uh, Anthony Richardson and Jalen Waddle, the other two guys that picked up concussions did not practice Wednesday, so keep an eye on them. Uh, they will have to clear protocol before they can get into a game. And Joe Burrow, feeling better after re-injuring the calf Sunday. Uh, there's no practice until Thursday for the Bengals because they play Monday night. So uh, there is no status on his uh, practice availability, but maybe a slight positive turn here as he may not have been as bad of a re-injure on that calf as we thought originally. So, Cody, any thoughts on all of that injury news? I just yeah, don't I just want to touch on one thing. Uh, if you are a guy who has Jamal Williams and he is now towards the end of your bench, do you drop them? Are you comfortable dropping them? Okay, drop him. cool. I, I was on the same yep. page. No just question. wanted to make sure that uh, that we agreed on that, or if yep. not, we had a little discussion about his value. So I agree with you. Uh, I the rest of it, I think, is pretty straightforward. Again, on our uh, you know Thursday recording, we'll kind of go through the Thursday practice reports and see if any of these really change for you guys. And then I did want to shout out our betting podcast. We uh, started out. Let's see, we were four and two the first week, five and one, so nine and three through two weeks. Quite uh yeah, quite a run we are on to start the season. So hop on. Um, you know, law of averages would say that there's probably gonna be a correction coming in there at some point, but as long as it is nah, hot, we are nope. gonna keep riding it. Season long heater. I love that. Absolutely. <laughs> so make sure you check that one out. That one comes out on Saturdays. We always do throw a graphic up Sunday morning if you happen to miss the podcast, but if you're listening now, make sure you tune on tune in on Saturday morning as well. Yeah, definitely riding the hot hand right now. Cody, a three and zero week last week. Uh, had a lot of good plays that cashed pretty Thank easily. You, uh, a couple of mine I got a little lucky on. So, <laughs> yeah. Oh, that one. That Man. one's legendary. Uh, the other two you had were actually just really solid bets that paid off pretty yeah. easily. So, uh, the the backdoor cover on the McVay field goal was pretty hilarious. Yeah, that was. I, I don't know if he's been questioned by reporters about his decision-making to do that yet. I don't really know what the correct decision to so, do is there, but I don't know if kicking the field goal when the spread seven and a half is is that. Basically, I did actually read on this because I was pretty interested. Just I just thought it was funny that you know it turned out the way that it did, so I, I read up on it. Apparently... The plan was to have, you know, the, the pass over the middle to Nakua or whatever they did. And, you know, he thought they were going to have basically seven or eight seconds so that he could have an opportunity to kick the field goal, 
take the onside and then throw the Hail Mary, you know, theoretically. But basically he was like, once it took too long, he was just like, all right, you know, I already planned on sending the field goal unit on after that play. I might as well just stick with the plan, you know, at this point because, you know, they have no chance to win the game either way. So uh, it was it was definitely a it was a pretty funny situation though. Just that seven and a half was the exact line and three points covered it perfectly. But um, yeah, yeah, uh, that was that was pretty funny. I, I saw a lot of people on the other side of it on the San Francisco. Yeah, that's a tough you know, side on that side. Not that, so happy. That but, sucks. Big oh, time. Yeah, I, I feel for those people. Yes, it does. All right, Cody, let's get into a little buy low, sell high. We are debuting this segment for the first time this season. Uh, I, I think this one is one of our more useful segments, especially for those uh, that are looking for any possible trades and just you know, kind of knowing how to value some of these guys that may have gone up or down in value since draft season. You kind of have to wait a couple weeks before you can really uh, you know, start throwing these out there because you don't want to overreact to the first couple weeks. But I think we have enough information at this point to make a couple calls here. My first buy low is going to be my boy Justin Fields. I'm not going to lie. I am a little biased here. I love the player. Uh, he has not looked good through two games. Development as a passer has just really not happened, but uh, this is the same thing we saw at the beginning of last year. He has five design runs through two games. Once he starts running, it's not going to matter how his development as a passer goes. If he gets better, that's great. But if he doesn't, we've already seen him be a top five quarterback not throwing the ball very much, you know, averaging 150 or so passing yards a game last season. So I think the passing floor is a little higher than that with DJ Moore in the fold and just uh, the slightly improved weapons. And, you know, he will start running because they're not going to just let the offense flounder all season. Yep. I, I'm right there with you. I have Justin Fields in multiple leagues as well. I think this has been a very pro Justin Fields podcast through the drafting uh, season. So it has, it um, has. yeah, I'm right there with you. If, if you can still, if you can get him at a discount, I would. Because, like you said, once he has one of the weeks where he is just running all over the place, that value is going right back up. Um, but you did mention something on uh, what would have been our Tuesday podcast that I want to kind of bring up here. Would you rather have Tua long term or Justin Fields long term or rest of season? So, I guess I would say Tua right now, but I think the. The question with Tua before the season started was not how good he was going to be. It was going to be health. And I don't know if that question has necessarily been answered right. through two games. So I, even though he's looked good, I think the chances he re, you know, if he gets a concussion, that would be a big problem because of, you know, the multiple concussions we had yep. last year. The fact that he's just a smaller quarterback. Uh, I don't know. I, I thought those concerns still exist. So I, I'm not saying that that's gone away, but. Yeah, the Miami offense just looks fantastic. So I might slightly take Tua, but uh, I, you know, I don't know if I'd be going out to actively make that trade necessarily. So uh, I mean, Fields is right behind him if I was doing rest of season. Right yeah, now. I think I think I'm on the Justin Fields side of it. Like if I had Tua and the Justin Fields sure. manager would send me Justin Fields for Tua, I'd feel a lot like more comfortable accepting that one than if I was the Justin Fields manager right. and someone was trying to send me Tua for him. So. I still think I'm on the Justin Fields okay. side of it. Again, you you really nailed it on the head, though, with the injuries. It's just if he gets a concussion, the NFL is going to be very careful, especially if it's anything that looks even slightly you know gruesome yeah. off. So, um, but right. still very pro Justin Fields. I think this podcast is riding and dying with Justin Fields until be fine. <laughs> until we see some positive stuff here. Yeah, his NFL NFL quarterback play is up in the air for sure. Dynasty leagues, I'd be a little worried because there's definitely a chance Chicago just moves on from him yep. after this year or at least draft somebody and trades him. But 
for the rest of this year for redraft, he will be just fine for fantasy. He'll start running. Uh, I wouldn't worry about him. All righty. Let's get into my first sell or buy low. Sorry. That is going to be Joe Mixon, running back for mm-hmm. the Cincinnati Bengals. He has only had 18 opportunities in his first two games, which honestly isn't that low of a number if you're looking at fantasy running backs. Uh, but if you are, you know, where you drafted him, you're probably hoping to get a little bit more. With Joe Burrow's calf injury, I do see that number going up a little bit. And his yards per carry are currently at 4.4 on the season. His yards per catch are about 7.3 on the season. So he's been extremely efficient. I don't believe he's gotten in the end zone at all. Actually, looking at his numbers, he has not gotten in the end zone at all. So I do think that there is a chance if he ends up getting the hot hand, gets a few more opportunities, gets in the end zone once or twice, just another guy whose value is going to go right back up to where it was pre-draft. And I think right now you could probably go out to him and, uh, you know, probably get him for, you know, a more middle, middle level draft guy, as opposed to where you were drafting Joe Mixon previously. Yeah. I think this same sentiment kind of goes for all the Bengals. T Higgins may be a little tougher because he had a big week last week. Uh, but Chase Burrow, Mixon, if any of your league mates have those guys and they are worried about them, go ahead and buy low on them. I think they'll be just fine. I guess the only question is Burrow's calf, but it sounds like that uh, re-injury was not as bad as we were fearing uh, off the jump. So I I think it may take a couple weeks for Joe Burrow to become 100% and this offense to start clicking, but once he does, they will be just fine across the board. For sure. My next buy low, I will still try to make the case for Alex Madison. Um, He has not looked good. But his share of the right, of the backfield is elite. At least it was before Cam Akers was thrown into the fold. Uh, he's played two elite run defenses off the top, too. I think there are better days ahead. And I think you can trade even lower than you would have been able to trade before this signing, honestly. So, uh, you know, I, I think Madison managers might be completely panicking right now. You can go throw a low-level option at them. Uh, I'm trying to think of somebody, maybe like a Tank Dell that you've picked up in the past couple weeks. You know, something like that that... Uh, you know, those type of guys that you've, you've picked up in the first couple weeks that are probably flex-level options the rest of the year. Madison could just, you know, be the lead guy in Minnesota if Cam Akers does not come in and impress. So uh, I think better days are ahead for whoever the starter is in Minnesota. I'd take my shot on Madison if it's for really, really cheap. I Yeah, you're going to get him really, really cheap right now. And I do think he's one of the players that you could just plug in this week if you had to play someone. Because like you stated, I don't think Cam Akers is going Absolutely. to yeah. get very much uh, you know, this week. And maybe even the next couple of weeks, he still may be, you know, hold on to that role. Um, so, yeah, and I think you're getting him for really cheap now. I mean, I think you could definitely, like you said, a Tank Dell. I think maybe even, you know, Quentin Johnston's probably a little bit of a stretch, but if you're in any kind of mini dynasty or something like that, you could probably, you know, just sell his upside to someone who maybe has an 0-2 start and may look to rebuild early in the season, anything like that. I think there's a lot of ways you can go get Madison extremely cheap uh, for basically like your last bench guy. So I I like that one. I do think Cam Makers poses a little bit of a threat, but all that does is just lower his value again. So you can just get him even cheaper. Yeah, dampen my argument for sure, but I think it also lowers the cost. So, um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, do you do you want me to throw my last one out there real quick? Because I added another one because I felt like the Madison one was not, you know, didn't apply as much anymore. So I'm just going to throw this one out here real quick before you get to your last one so we can move on to uh, sell yeah. highs after that. Pat Fryermuth, two stinkers to start the year. Uh, he got banged up in week one, missed most of practice before week two. 
but he was a full go, so he doesn't really have any excuses. That was just a really bad game for him. Only one target against the Browns in Week 2. Uh, that actually might just be a really elite defense, honestly, by the end of the year, though. I'm not willing to bill yet. His target numbers with Kenny Pickett towards the end of the year uh, last year in a much larger sample size were really good. Tight end is an absolute wasteland if you don't have one of the top two or three guys. So if you're, you know, I'd say there are some shallower leagues that Frymuth might have been dropped. Uh, but if you're in a deeper league and your manager is looking to move on, I would go offer again, probably your last or second to last bench piece for him. He could easily bounce back in the next couple of weeks and we'll forget about these first two. Yeah, he's also one of the tight ends out there that have proven to be fantasy relevant, you know, thus far in his career. So it's not like a guy that you're just banking on uh, taking a next step or anything yeah, like it, that. Yeah, we have a exactly. We have a decent sample size with him at this point. He's, I think, we know he's a good player, so the production should follow at some yep. point. Absolutely. Another guy I'm going to throw in here. By the time you're listening to this, you're going to have to make the trade and probably not be able to play him for a week just due to the timing. This podcast comes out depending on how fast you're. Uh, your league mates push through trades, but we're going to go George Kittle tight end for the San Francisco 49ers, you know, very similar with Pat Fryermuth. The tight end position is just very fickle. We saw six targets for Kittle in week one, three in week two, and he didn't have a finish within, you know, tight end 27 through the first two weeks. Um, I don't think Kittle is the high tier starter that he was a few years ago, or even that I made the argument for him being, you know, during our tight end disagreement show, but I'm always going to rather have a guy, a tight end in a higher scoring offense, higher powered offense over a guy like a Kyle Penn, Kyle Pitts, for instance, when both those guys were going. So if the Kittle owner is a little you know, upset about his performance, maybe he has a secondary tight end already on the bench. I would go try and make the move. He's another guy that I just think, you know, he gets in the end zone once or twice, maybe gets a little bit more target share, breaks a long reception. His, his value goes right back up to where it was probably during the draft season. So I would try and make a move on him. I know it's a little bit, you know, t- tough timing on when this podcast comes out, but if you still can, I think it's good because I do think the matchup with the Giants is a good one for Kittle. Yeah, very similar argument to Fryermuth. We know he's a good player. Uh, he's had two tough weeks to start, but there is no you know underlying injury concern or something like that that would necessarily scare you off of him. So better weeks are ahead for George Kittle. I will say if Brandon Ayuk misses this Thursday and Kittle has a big game, it could be a lot tougher. So definitely try to get a trade done. Uh, you know, Either, I guess, you're going to be listening to this on Thursday, so try to get it done before the game starts. And if you have a... Nice commissioner like uh, maybe myself that pushes trades through right away. Cody, I got your Keenan Allen trade sent through earlier today, uh, so congratulations. But anyway, yeah, try to try to get it done before tomorrow night because I uh, I have a, a best bet later that involves George Kittle scoring a touchdown. I think he has a big Absolutely. game. Absolutely. You ready to get into some, uh, some sell highs? Let's do it. Um, all right, my first sell high here is Christian Kirk. He had three targets in week one. 14 targets in week two. Uh, This is very similar to the San Francisco situation. There are a lot of mouths to feed here. There are four legitimate pass catchers in Jacksonville that are in starting consideration week to week. I think these numbers will continue to fluctuate based on the game plan. And if you want to try and guess what Doug Peterson is going to do uh, with the game plan week to week, be my guess. But it's really hard to get inside these NFL coaches' heads sometimes. Uh, Again, I think this is just going to be a frustrating situation all year. He's coming off a huge week, so you might be able to capitalize on the value right now. Yep, 100% do it off of the big week. Um, again, if you're listening to this on Thursday, probably a guy you want to go ahead and try and make that trade by the end of this week because we just do not know what to expect from 
uh, the wide receivers in Jacksonville, maybe outside of Calvin Ridley, but you can even consider Calvin Ridley in there because he didn't yeah. have the best game last weekend. So we just don't know where the targets are going to be sure. going. And like you said, there's four options to choose from. So quite a tough uh, situation there. Uh, my first option, another wide receiver, and actually a guy that uh, was on the first Beat the Wire, which we're going to get into here in a couple minutes. Puka Nakua, wide receiver for the L.A. Rams. This is very simple. Fantasy football is all about capitalizing when you can, and you've got to capitalize before Cooper Cup comes back. Even if both can be fantasy relevant with Cup you know, returning to the lineup, you're not going to get, you know, the the level of volume in the production you've gotten through Nakua from Nakua for the first two weeks. Right now, you know, if you go to a guy who's needy for a flex spot, needy for a wide receiver two or wide receiver one, you can get really good value for him. You could probably even trade him for as high as a running back one. Um, you know, it's probably going to be, you know, if you if you're the guy who has uh, some combination of Dobbins, Madison, Chubb, Saquon, anything like that. And you need another wide receiver, you could flip Nakua for a starting one without it without hesitation, I think, right now. Um, short term, it probably won't feel like a huge win, but when we get to like week seven, week eight, I think Nakua, you know, we're gonna be talking him in that boom bust wide receiver two category. We'll just, you know, I'm very hesitant to see how good he's gonna be once Cup gets it back into that lineup. Yeah, a lot of ambiguity uh, in this situation when Cup comes back. I think a good good idea would be to go to maybe the Joe Mixon manager, offer Nakua and whoever your second running back is if you're not happy with them. And uh, as long as you have the wide receiver depth to cover it on the back end, that could be a very advantageous situation for you later in the year. So that would be an example of a guy I'd shoot for. That's you got to shoot high, though. You should be shooting for a guy that was drafted within the first three rounds for Nakua right now. His value is obviously extremely high, and he should be a very good player for the next couple weeks at least. Uh, but, yeah, you know, as long as you are getting the requisite value, I am all for trading him right now because it's hard to say his value could go up uh, from Absolutely. where it is right now unless shoot. Cup you know, re-aggravates his shoot injury. Shoot for the stars. You should be, you should be targeting – Yep. You know, a, a lower-end wide receiver one, lower-end running back one, something like that uh, if you're going to move off of them. Otherwise, just hold on to them these next couple of weeks and see how it plays out. But I think you can go out there and turn them into something real valuable. My next sell high is Drake London, wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons. He had a really good game in Week 2, and it was against a fantastic corner in Jair Alexander, who was on him most of the time. I went back and watched some of those catches because I was just wondering if he actually had a lot of this production against Alexander, and he really did. Kind of a tough matchup for Alexander, more of the uh, speedy, on-your-hip type, but London kind of just wins the contested catches, even with you know the guys like that on his hip. But either way, London deserves credit. Despite that, uh, Atlanta threw 32 passes in that game against the Packers, which sounds encouraging uh, for that Atlanta offense. 32 passes is quite a bit. That was more because of the play volume they had overall. They still ran it 45 times in this game. They're not going to run 77 plays every game. It's usually closer to uh, you know 60-65 for NFL teams on a weekly basis. I think he will dud more often than not in an offense that will run the ball more than they throw it uh, most weeks. And uh, this Atlanta the Atlanta pass catchers are just going to be super frustrating. I would try to, you know, leverage out of that situation as much as I could uh, in, you know, the next couple of weeks. If, you know, Pitts has a big game, London has another big game, I'd, I'd give the same advice. I time. was just about to say, I am just waiting for the big Kyle Pitts game so I can try and unload him <laughs> yeah. ASAP. Yeah, so, should be. Uh, yeah, I feel the same way about all all Atlanta pass catchers. I, I wouldn't doubt it if Ritter 
does not have another game with 32 pass attempts this year or potentially the rest of his career as a starting quarterback if he is a falcon for for a while so if arthur smith is his coach yeah exactly uh my last guy here i again just another kind of play do it while you can uh raheem moster running back for the miami dolphins another guy that's going to maintain playability for a few more weeks but it gets a little bit more risky once wilson comes back we did see last year, as soon as Wilson became a member of the Dolphins, he basically took the number one spot the first week he was there, and then it just flip-flopped back and forth the rest of the season, and you really had no confidence starting either of them. Uh, if somebody, you know, if someone in your league has some combo of Saquon, Nick Chubb, J.K. Dobbins, you know, Madison and Nake or something like that, they're most likely going to need running back help ASAP. I would do, I would send a Moster, try and get yourself, you know, another running back that maybe has more long-term um, value or again another wide receiver two option that can help benefit your team uh, for the long term. I just think once Wilson gets back, even as good as Mostert looks, it's just always going to be questionable with both with both of them in the backfield. Yeah, we we went over this on our Phantom Tuesday pod. Uh, this is a pretty obvious sell high candidate here in Raheem Mostert for the reasons Cody laid out. Uh, but even that even that being the case, you know there are some zero two teams that are going to be pretty desperate right now. I think the the prime example that we gave was go trade for Alvin Kamara. So you can have a starting, you know, reliable running back the rest of the year. You may have to give up most or plus something else, but I think it's worth it to go give it a shot, uh, especially if that manager's 0-2 and they need wins now uh, because, you know, Kamara, maybe he takes a week to get worked in and you're all of a sudden you're four weeks in and you haven't had him at all. Mostert will be good for the next couple of weeks. So you could convince that manager that, you know, that might be a, a move worth making. So I would look into it for sure. I, I agree with you. Do you want to mention your honorable mention? I love your honorable mention this week. Yeah. Just because that shows just how true we are to the podcast because you have been extremely high on this guy, again, going back to draft season for about a month now. So to see him in the honorable mention slot was yeah. a little bit of a surprise for me, to say the least. Yeah, so Brian Robinson's my honorable mention for a sell high. Uh, I've been pretty high on the player. I was, uh, you know, I was back and forth on him and Gibson when we started draft season early in, you know, late July. Then I latched on to Robinson uh, pretty early on, and I've been on him ever since. And he's made me look decent through the first couple weeks. But I think the the game scripts could be a problem for him. We have not seen the Commanders in a game that they are trailing by a significant margin for a large portion of it. Obviously, they were trailing the Broncos early on in this one, but basically got back into the game before halftime was yeah. over. So Robinson was able to keep running the ball uh, on the early downs, not you know not trailing by multiple scores in the second half. And I don't think this Commanders team is going to be one that you know wins nine, ten, eleven games. They're probably going to be closer to a six and eleven, seven and ten team. They'll have their fair share of games they're losing in the second half. We'll see how Brian Robinson is involved in those games, but. Uh, I just think his value is probably about as high as it's going to be right now. You could get solid mid-range RB2 value for him, and I think he's probably closer to a low-end RB2 slash flex. So uh, if you can go turn him into a round four or five player, I'd probably do it. Yeah, absolutely. Any consideration um, if – I know we're going to get into the Beat the Wire segment here in a second, but any consideration with uh, maybe looking to go add Antonio Gibson, just kind of expecting Washington's game plans to switch up a little bit? 
maybe if you're in a really deep full PPR, but his involvement has been pretty troubling. And I think the the biggest thing that makes me worry with him is that he had that fumble in week one, and then they really went away from him. And that's been a big problem for him to this point in his career already. So I think he might have just kind of lost favor with the coaching staff a bit after that. Uh, I mean, yeah, he might get worked in later in the year, but I think we'll see signs of him, you know, kind of coming back to a certain degree before we you know, need to just stash and hope. So I think we'll, we'll just recommend picking him up when that happens. Right. I think that's fair. Let's time to, uh, let's beat the wire. Let's talk about who, who are we going to be talking about on next Tuesday's waiver wire show? Well, we've thrown some pretty good bangers at you the first two weeks so far. I believe Cody, did you have Jerome Ford on your beat the wire? Did I, you had I think Jerome one of us Ford. did. We at least yep. talked about him. Okay, great. Okay, so you had Nakua week one. I had Jerome Ford week two. Pretty solid start uh, for the pod this year. Those are the two biggest uh, free agent pickups in uh, in the, the league so far, I would Absolutely. say. So uh, this Beat the Wire segment is really killing it. My first one's going to be Tajay Spears, running back for the Tennessee Titans. This is very similar to the Jerome Ford pick. He's uh, under the radar. He was a third-round pick, actually more capital than Ford. Uh received in this past year's draft. He's had 17 opportunities so far. He is used a lot more in the passing game than Derrick Henry is. I think he's got a chance to be a deeper league flex once buys start up in a couple weeks here in uh, half and full PPR leagues. But even if he doesn't, he's an absolutely elite handcuff option. Uh, so very similar to Jerome Ford. If Henry goes down, he would be a 80% fab dump type of guy. So you might as well go ahead and pick him up, roster him for the lottery ticket. And again, deeper, deeper PPR leagues, he might actually be worth starting uh, when buys pick up. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love this one. He is basically, I mean, this week's Jerome Ford for our Beat the Wire pick. I think. Um, yeah, exactly. Yeah, any, you know, knock on wood, obviously, if anything happens to Derrick Henry, he's a guy that someone's dumping, you know, a lot of their fab into. And then, um, yeah, I, I love it for sure. But my first one here, this is kind of a, a cupcake one, but I just I was very surprised at how low he's rostered, just the way that both these running backs have looked through two weeks. Jalen Warren, running back for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's currently tied for the Steelers team lead in receptions with nine through two weeks. So not really any staggering numbers from any running backs or receivers there. But you know, I, I will say I was the pro Najee guy on the podcast. I really didn't see him getting worked out by Jalen Warren when the season started, but after you know watching their game this past weekend, Warren just looks like the better option for the Steelers. Nick has been pointing that out for a couple of weeks now. And if he's if you're in one of those 47 percent of leagues, I would just go go ahead and pick him up right now. He may even be someone I'd consider trying to make a trade for. See if you can get him as a throw in on a trade or something like that. I see him actually his value is going to yeah. go up quite a bit. I think Najee has just looked terrible still through you know basically now for a year or so. Go get Jalen Warren if he's available in your league. Yeah, Warren has looked way more explosive than Najee. Um, I, I mean, I've been on that for basically the entire draft season. Not much of a Najee guy myself, and it looks like the Pittsburgh Steelers are finally starting to uh, you know work Warren in more on first and second down and just into the regular flow of the game rather than just having him be the two-minute back and the third down guy. So could have some relevance even without a Najee injury later this year. My next beat the wire pick here is going to be Devontae Parker, wide receiver for the New England Patriots. Only 7% rostered on sleeper, so this is a pretty deep league play. He had 100% of snaps in his first week back. Uh, last week in week two, missed week one with an injury. He had eight targets, 
And the Patriots have attempted 96 passes through two weeks. They are fourth in the NFL in plays per game. That will come back to earth a little bit, but they have actually been pretty fast as far as pace is concerned. They're snapping the ball pretty early in the play clock uh, pretty consistently throughout the game. So that's going to lead to more plays, more opportunities. And if Parker's on the field that much, getting six to eight targets, he will become very relevant with buys roll around. Yeah, absolutely. If he, if the Patriots continue passing the ball this much, you know, you're going to have to look at all of their pass catching options a little bit differently. Um, I think again, our fandom, he's really the, he's really the only guy that profiles as a downfield player out of their wide receiver room too. In my opinion, they have, um, you know, Juju slot guy, Kendrick Bourne can run some downfield routes, kind of smaller plays in the slot as well. So I, I think Devonte Parker kind of fills a role that not any one of those other wide receivers can necessarily yep. play. I love the the seven percent rostered. I mean, this is going to be, you know, just about almost yeah, every deep. league besides I mean, probably, probably some weird ones that have just incredibly deep rosters. He is going to be yeah. available for you. So go take a look. Mm-hmm. He is definitely worth having at the end of your bench. My second guy, and actually my last guy this week because I was a little late getting to my notes. Jalen Hyatt, wide receiver for the New York Giants. He is currently 28% rostered. This is simply, he is a rookie on a team with no proven wide receiver one. So I want to go ahead and just stash that guy, see if he can get some more opportunity opportunity in the next couple of weeks. Um, you know, he really has not had great usage through the first two weeks, but he did show big playability in the Giants week two comeback against the Cardinals. If he can continue to show that and hit those numbers go up from, you know, two, three opportunities a week to six, seven, you know, just getting more worked into the offense. I think he could have some true fantasy value uh, again, 28% of leagues. So not going to be, you know, out there as much as a Devonte Parker, but definitely someone I would want to throw on uh, to the end of my bench if he is still available. Yeah. High draft capital or rookie wide receivers are never bad bets to make, uh, especially on teams with extremely ambiguous target situations. Obviously Darren Waller is there, but the wide receiver room is very wide open for, uh, you know, someone to kind of break out there. So that's a fine play. The giants defense looks horrible too. So they should be, they, they are probably going to be in a lot of negative game scripts having to throw the ball quite a bit this year. Hyatt could be relevant as he moves forward here. My last beat the wire pick is even grosser than my 7% roster Devontae Parker pick. So I am really digging deep for you guys on this one. Gary Brightwell running back for the New York Giants. Really gross and it might not be as relevant since it seems like Barkley's not going to be on the, you know, the three week side of the, you know, original timeline we got for his injury could be more like one or two. Uh, But I still think even in a really deep league, if you're running back needy, he gets San Francisco on Thursday. You're not playing him or Brita in that matchup, in my opinion. But then he gets Seattle and Miami. Those matchups have been much softer for running back so far this year. And I think there's just as good of a chance that he is the lead guy, uh, you know, as as Brita. So I, I don't think I think people are kind of writing him off. But he got a decent amount of run when Saquon was hurt last year. And uh, you know, running backs that touch the ball, especially in decent matchups, are always going to be relevant, even this early on, with uh, as many injuries as we've already had. Yeah, one hundred percent. I also he is yeah, free. He's one hundred percent free. And if you are one of the three percenters where he is now rostered, please send me what your guys' rosters <laughs> look like. I just I have to see <laughs> yeah. in what league Gary Brightwell yeah. is currently rostered in. Um, yeah, not only do I think there's a you know fifty fifty chance between it's him and Brita, I think there's a pretty good chance they just split fifty fifty on the opportunities out of the backfield yeah. in general. So a little bit of a nasty play. For like sure. Nick said, it is gross, but 
If you're one of those guys who has had four or five, one of those four or five running backs that are either hurt or, you know, they're a little bit questionable when it comes to being a fantasy starter now, I it, it's nasty, but sometimes you just got to fire up those nasty boys and hope they pull through for you. Don't be surprised if uh, Gary yeah. Brightwell gets a little mention for a touchdown this week. I, I could see it happening for sure. All right, Cody, let's go ahead and jump into our Thursday night football preview. This one should be pretty quick. Uh, the actual preview of the game from a fantasy perspective is fairly easy. But before we get to that, I'll uh, jump to the picks real quick. I don't like playing this line. I, I basically will never recommend a line that is above eight in the NFL. I just don't like playing that many points on the favorites, and it's really hard for me to recommend teams that are you know that much worse than their competition so i'd play san francisco minus 10 and a half in the under 44 and i would not feel great about the uh san francisco part of it the under 44 is okay but it's not one of my favorite lines this week uh how do you feel about yeah it? i don't love the under 44 i i would i would go ahead and take it as well i believe primetime unders are now it's either four and two or five and one i guess we had two monday night football games i keep forgetting but i think one hit and one miss so yeah. maybe it was at five and That's three right. or something like that. Whatever it is now. I mean, the unders are still hitting. Uh, it's positive. Exactly. So I yep. would just keep riding it. I don't I don't really have a good argument. I mean, there's a chance that the you know 49ers could score 30 any given week right now, and then the Giants just have to get yep. a, you know, a lucky two touchdowns. So I I don't like, – I'm going to keep the under. And then I – before I left Kansas, I may or may not you know have known I was going to be watching this game in Florida where – betting is not legal and I went ahead and just took Giants plus nine and a half so I could have a little dog in the fight for Thursday night football so I am just going to go ahead and ride with Giants plus ten and a half commendable um I don't really have a good argument for it neither of these two would even come close to one of my three best bets of this week it just basically comes down to I'm going to ride with the Giants because for some reason last uh Friday night I decided that I wanted to put a little bit of money on them yeah, the Saquon Barkley effect is probably the the reason for the extra for point sure. there for the Niners. But um, yeah, I I would probably just stay away from this line if you unless you are you know confident yourself. I have a a best bet real quick before we jump to the players. I think uh, George Kittle anytime touchdown and a San Francisco win at plus two hundred is pretty good value. I think the the squeaky wheel getting the grease here is very possible for George Kittle in this game. Two quiet games to start, as Cody mentioned earlier. And uh, if he scores a touchdown, the odds that the Niners win is pretty high. So you might as well just parlay them. Yeah, I like that one, actually. And I did not put it in here, but I was just looking through some bets. Give me Daniel Jones anytime touchdown at plus 230 with no Saquon Barkley. I think he needs nice. to get a little bit more involved on the ground oh, yeah. for them to you know, maintain any kind of uh, winability in this game. So I like yours at plus 200. Yeah, I knew you were going to use the squeaky wheel reference for sure when I saw George Kittle's name down here. So I love that. Uh, maybe similar with Daniel Jones. I think he gets a rushing touchdown this week. Yeah, not bad at all. Uh, he might actually be the goal line back considering uh, Brightwell and Brita are not the biggest backs in the world. So uh, I think Jones might be their best bet around the goal line. Moving to the game itself on the Giants side of things. Uh, I don't think there is much interest in here beyond Darren Waller who you're probably starting uh, because of the you know barrenness of the tight end landscape. Uh, beyond that, I think Daniel Jones is just a two QB league play this week. I can't 
possibly recommend him in a game that uh, the opposing team is favored by 10 and the over-under is 44. That does not leave a lot of room for scoring on his end. And then obviously the running back room being what it is doesn't leave anybody that is of interest. I think Jalen Hyatt's the only guy I'd even be rostering in the New York wide receiver room right now. So it's pretty easy. It's Darren Waller and then uh, check out. Yeah, 100%. I, I don't really even have anything to add because I don't want to talk myself into trying to recommend one of these guys. So I'm going to agree with you, Darren no. Waller, and then call it a day. The San Francisco side is uh, a little more interesting. So we're starting CMC, we're starting Debo, and we are starting George Kittle. Uh, Purdy, I think he is a high-end QB2 in this game. He kind of is what he is. You know, his, uh, his ceiling is low, but his floor is high. His uh, range of outcomes is not very large, but uh, if you just need somebody to get you 20 points, Purdy's your man. I have a, I heard an interesting question earlier today on a podcast I was listening to. Would you play Purdy on Thursday night, or would you risk it and wait for Joe Burrow on Monday? Oh, Let's assume Stafford is not available in this hypothetical league, because that would probably be my recommendation would just be pick yeah. him up. But um, let's say you yeah, can't do that. Yeah, I agree with that, just to kind of make it a little bit tougher. I'm... Let's see, they play the Rams. I'm not necessarily too afraid of the Rams defense, but the Giants defense is kind of soft. I'd roll with Purdy yeah, myself. Yeah, I mean, if you are – it's tough because you're going into Thursday night. You know, if this was a Sunday game versus a Monday situation, you may be able to see what your roster is looking like yep. at some point on Sunday before having to pull the trigger on Purdy. Mm-hmm. But since it's Thursday, I don't think you can risk Joe Burrow not being there. If he is there, the calf may be an issue. If that's going to be the case, just go ahead and put Purdy out there. I mean, he's basically 200, 250 yards and two touchdowns just about every week, so I'd be fine with it. I mean, obviously it's going to be hard to throw Burrow in your bench and play Pur- Purdy over him, but you really got to consider this cra- calf strain to be – I know they said it's not very serious or not as serious as they initially had thought, but it's still concerning. He got in you know, during uh, the – during the preseason, off-season stuff, it was to kept him out for basically a month. So to see him back out there on Monday and performing extremely well when we haven't seen that out of Joe Burrow so far this season, I just don't see happening. Go ahead and fire up Brock Purdy. Yeah, it would be surprising. And then, uh, yeah, like you said, Purdy just gives you that safe uh, safe floor heading into the weekend. He's not going to dodge you, so you're not going to be coming out of Thursday night climbing out of a hole. I think I'd rather just get my points and. Uh, you know, just hope that the rest of my team can kind of pick up the high end slack because Burrow is a bit of a risk at this point to even play at all. And then, yeah, like Jake Browning is your option and you have to roll him out there. That could be really, really bad. Uh, the only other guy on the roster that's even, you know, a question for fantasy, uh, you're just playing the other guys is Brandon Ayuk. I think I would try to avoid him wherever I can. It does not make a ton of sense for the 49ers to force him out there four days after picking up a shoulder injury in game in a game that they are 10.5-point favorites. I think if IU plays, he could just be a decoy. And uh, if they go up big in the first half, they probably will just turn to their other options at the wide receiver position. So do you uh, have any more confidence in Ayuk, or are you trying um, to sit him? I mean, I would try to sit him. I think it's going to be a little bit tough because Ayuk does just have a higher ceiling than a lot of the players you're going to be throwing out there instead of him. Sure. Um, but, you know, if, I, if I'm the 49ers and if I'm a Brandon Ayuk owner, I kind of just hope he sits this game. Let him get the you know the, thir- the Thursday night I football off and then basically gives you a week and a half before the next game, lets him get fully healthy before uh, – you know, before week four. So I would hope that he's just not playing and makes the decision easier for me. 
I think he's a he's a very risky, you know, high ceiling guy because he does, you know, he does have the chance to get a couple of touchdowns if he happens to be the guy that gets him this week. But you could say that just about any week. So I don't necessarily feel too much different about him, but I'm hoping that the 49ers just make the decision for me and go ahead and rule him out for this game so I can move him to my IR. Let me throw a couple of lower end options out there and just kind of see how low we're willing to go to uh, avoid Brock or excuse me, uh, Brandon Ayuk. How about Eli Moore versus the Tennessee Titans at home? That one's interesting because you get the very soft pass defense of the Titans. Um, I go. Yeah, I also did. I think. I mean, don't want to spoil our Saturday episode, but I'm pretty sure the Titans are plus four, um, another underdog game for Mike Vrabel. So, I, you, I think you have to roll the Titans out there again, don't oh, you? You're well, on, you're on a, it's it's NBA Jam rolls. You're yeah, heating Titans, up right now. You gotta, you gotta go yeah. for three in a row. I'll, I'll let you have that one too. I Titans was eyeing are 100% it. One hundred percent, one of my three best bets. <laughs> I love that <laughs> yeah. one. So even just to pay homage to them, they're they're two and zero for you. Yeah. So, far, so right? my point was, I do think that you know Vegas is kind of sprinkling sprinkling in a few extra points there for the Browns. I think Elijah Moore can take advantage of that. Like you said, there's a chance that Ayuk's just a complete decoy or just by the time the second half comes around, he doesn't have to be on the field. How about uh, Jacoby Myers versus the Pittsburgh Steelers? Let's say we get positive injury news tomorrow and yeah, he's going I'm playing to play. Jacoby Myers for sure. Uh, let's see. Khalil Herbert at the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, I think I'm going Ayuk there. Um, I, I may consider okay. Herbert if, if, you know, actually, no, I wouldn't, I would just play Ayuk and just hope that he catches a touchdown or a couple of big plays. I'm, I'm getting a little soured on Herbert. I'm hoping that Roshan Johnson kind of just takes over there so we can get a, a good running back for the Chicago bears. Yeah, I think that will be the case sooner rather than later. Uh, one more here. Let's go with Tutu Atwell at the Cincinnati Bengals on yeah, Monday night. Go ahead and just give me Tutu Atwell. Um, again, I I know Burrow Same. may not play, but the Rams are currently, I think, six-point underdogs for that game. So I think that um, uh, Tutu could be a, a fine option in a game where you know Matthew Stafford has to throw, a ball another, throw the ball another 30, 40 times. So I would fire up Tutu. Yeah, those guys I was listing off are in the wide receiver 35 to 40 range and the running backs in 30 to 35. So those are pretty low-level options that we mostly prefer over Iuke. So that should probably tell you where we have him this week uh, as far as rankings yeah, are concerned. Absolutely. I will say we have not nailed our Thursday night sits. We, I think we've recommended sitting two people on Thursday night football that have gone off in those games. So if that gives, oh, yeah, you, Swift yeah, last if that week. gives yeah. you any more Yikes. hope to uh, play Brandon Iuke, feel free. But I think I would have avoid it and just go with a what I'm going to consider a safer option uh for week three yeah I I would as sweet well. well we knocked this thing out in less than an hour so love to see that if you are listening hit that subscribe button make sure to leave a five-star review for us on your listening platform and uh Nick I will let's get out of here we will talk again tomorrow and get our Friday episodes out there for uh week three um, any last words for the people, any other thing for Thursday night football or anything else? I don't think so. Just listen to that Saturday best bets episode and ride the hot hand boys and girls. We're going to try to improve on that nine and three record and keep, uh, making you guys some Let's money. Let's do it. All right. Peace out everybody.